the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. And for the next hour, we will be talking about retirement, about planning for retirement. And yes, we will definitely get into what the current market conditions are and the Fed raising rates. So we try to stay on top of all the latest things, but also cast a vision for the future so that you can have a plan in place because that's how you get the best results. And certainly if you've worked hard during your life and you've been purposeful in your savings, you want to have a plan that pays off in the end. You can get a hold of Josh and his team at Aptus Wealth Management for a free consultation at 614-917-1040. You can also set up your free consultation on the web by going to their URL, which is aptuswealth.com, aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S. Josh, welcome in. And we expected, and we got what we expected, the Fed raising rates three quarters of a point. So mortgage rates are higher than they've been in a while, but they're not as high as I've paid mortgage rates in my lifetime. So what's going to be, in your opinion, the uh, immediate outgrowth of the Fed raising rates for an unprecedented third straight time of 75 basis points? Yeah, let's let's just not forget that two times was unprecedented. Yeah. And now we're at three. So I don't think we can ignore that it points to the severity of the situation. The situation is what it is. We've printed a tremendous amount of money. And I know out of Washington, we're hearing that that's going to solve itself very, very quickly, and it's nothing to be worried about. But I think we're in this for quite some time. Um, Now, there are some silver linings, but before we get to that, let's talk about the reality. Uh, Credit card rates are the highest since 1996. Mortgage rates are the highest since 08. And auto loan rates are the highest since 12. So we're talking about the worst case scenario here in the last 20 or so years And, you know, if you're a debtor, meaning you're looking to buy a car or you're looking to buy a house, mortgage rates and auto loan rates on average are over six. Now, that doesn't sound historically that outlandish. You had mentioned as we started talking that, you know, it's not the highest you've ever seen. No. But, you know, if I rewind the clock on my life, you know, uh, I've been out of college, I guess, now for longer than I'd like to admit. But in the last 25 years or so, uh, really, we've been pretty spoiled with. You know, auto loan rates at 1.9%, or I I can think of years and years and years where we're at zero. So what impact is that going to have? I think if you're in a position where you need to borrow money, it's going to get tougher for you. If you're in a position where uh, you have zero disposable income and you're going to buy groceries, it's probably going to get tougher for you. Uh, The good news is, you know, uh, people are making more money, and it's a very competitive job market. We're trying to fill the glut there. But there are some ancillary things that are kind of tied to inflation that you might not be thinking of that will give you some bit of a reprieve. For example, if you look at the standard deduction that you get on your tax return, which is what most people file these days, Mm -hmm. that is tied 
to inflation. Well, you can't, if you're the government, you can't lie that much about the inflation rate. So you're going to get a pretty significant bump in your standard deduction rate. I saw something the other day that said the average person, uh, single taxpayer filer that made a hundred grand last year, will see about $500 less in taxes this year, moving into 2023, assuming they don't change the tax code, but just based upon these inflationary numbers. Um, if you think about other things that go along with that, the uh, IRA contribution. Again, if you're a saver, you're in a good spot. If you're a if you're in the debt position, you're in a bad spot. But if you want to put money into a a Roth IRA or traditional IRA next year, you're going to be able to put sixty five hundred in as opposed to six thousand. That's more pre tax money going away. Sure. Four hundred one k limits are going up. All of these different things will start to get adjusted uh, that nobody really anticipated would go up by something like six, seven, eight percent. Who would have thought ten years ago we'd be talking about social security increases of up in the you know, 6% range. So there will be a little bit of a reprieve, but my clients are telling me constantly, yeah, that all sounds great. But here we are in a stock market that's down 20 plus percent, a bond market that's in the toilet as well. Interest rates at the bank are not keeping up. So you can say on one hand that it's getting worse for people borrowing money, but that means it should be getting better for people saving money. And the banks aren't reflecting that yet. Uh, It takes a while. The banks will not be able to outrun that forever, mm-hmm. but certain institutions will get there quicker. For example, insurance companies, um, and they offer things like fixed annuity rates, which think of them as a CD. Uh, they have started to creep very, very quickly. So we're seeing rates that we haven't seen before up in the 4 or 5 6% range, or cap rates up in the 13% range, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit more later. But that does give you an opportunity as a saver to keep up with inflation, whereas in the past, those rates were very, very low because of low interest rates. Well, the thing that I've found here as I peruse the headlines every day and as I contemplate, you know, sitting down with you every week as we talk about these kinds of things, is that there's a preponderance of opinion that things are getting tough and all those things you talked about are going to come to fruition. But there are always contrarians in the financial world, and that also lends itself to the fact that I think when things are bad in most places... They're not bad everywhere, and I don't mean like, you know, it's better off in some states of the U.S. than others. What I mean is that if most investments that have been good for a long time are no longer as good or no longer good, it doesn't mean that there's nothing good out there. And because there are some contrarians who say that they're going against the kind of prevailing mindset out there, uh, it suggests to me that there might be a way to even in what has been... um, counter to the economy and the economic prosperity that we've known, there might still be a way to cope with this beyond just cost of living increases and things like that. Um, Are there any silver linings out there? There are a couple. Uh, So I'll give you kind of two schools of thought. School of thought number one is everybody I talk to thinks taxes are going to go up. And over the last five or 10 years, because the market has been so good, everybody's conversation has been the same. How do I move my taxable dollars into after-tax dollars, meaning how do I do a Roth conversion? So I have this pre-tax money that I'm going to get taxed on. How do I move it to a Roth the most efficient way possible? And I go, well, I mean, your stuff's up 100%. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to be a a tough bite. Well, now the market, you know, unfortunately, if you rode the wave all the way down and you're down 21, 22%, you were invested in the S&P 500. If you're a long-term investor, if you believe that these are just simply gyrations in the market, their paper losses, whatever word you want to say, 
and you say, I'm not going to touch this money for another 10 years, this could be a tremendous opportunity to convert those shares. Remember, if the shares were worth 100 before and now they're worth 80, you can convert more of them for the same tax consequence. Sure. That could move the needle significantly for you in the long run. Now, some of you listening, I'm sure, are saying, wow, talk about trying to find a silver lining in something. I have less money, so now I can pay less taxes. Uh, well, yes, but in the long-term scheme of things, that is a big difference. Well, if your plan was to get it into a Roth IRA, you'd rather do it with as little consequence from a tax perspective as possible. And so I don't push back on the idea that that's a silver lining. You were going to do it anyway, and now you do it, and the cost of doing it is less than it was before. And you hold and the reality is anybody who is bet against the United States and the corporations inside of the United States in the long run has been wrong every single time. Maybe not in the short run, but in the long run, to bet against the Fortune 500 companies in the U.S. as a whole would be a pretty foolish game. So, you know, you stay the course, you put yourself in a better tax position, and you move forward. So you can find out more from Josh and his team, not only by going to their website, Aptus Wealth Management, and setting up your free consultation. You can also do it on the phone. Their number is 614-917-1040. But Josh has parceled down in small increments some of the uh, topics that we talk about here on the show on his YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube.com and search for Josh Pick, and you will find that information. And a lot of times we go through concepts here and we move from one to another, and you'd like to go back and hear it again. You can catch the replay of the show at 2 p.m. on Saturday. It airs originally at 7 p.m. on Friday night, but also the replay is 2 p.m. Saturday afternoon. But the YouTube channel is a great avenue for you to go and delve into some of these concepts again and hear it again. And, Josh, some of the things that stick with me from last week's show is that we were talking about some of these silver linings and where we could put our money and where we can mitigate against the volatility that's out there. And you said something about an opportunity that might pay, uh, I heard, it may not be true, but what I heard and retained was somewhere around a 7% return. Did I process that correctly? Do I remember it? And let's go back through that a little bit, because I think it would be intriguing for people to maybe hear that again and have it as something that they might want to approach with you. You know, interestingly, I got several calls uh, to my office asking about that exact same thing. So sometimes I think, you know, in the confines of the time restrictions of the show, we kind of brush over some things, not realizing how much of an impact it's going to have on certain people, but it, it addresses a problem. So there's two ideas or stu two schools of thought that I think address some problems right, right now. And what are the problems? So right now we have a bond market, which is where most people put their money for safety, that's down as well as the stock market being mm -hmm. down. Uh, you know, the bond market's down about half what the stock market is, and the stock market's down 20-plus percent. So you were rewarded for playing safe by only being down 15. People don't see that, not shockingly, so as a reward. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the conversation that I get a lot, or the question that I get a lot, is I have money sitting in cash. I'm somewhat paralyzed because I know that I need to retire in the next five or ten years, and I don't want to ride this wave. I just don't have a lot of confidence in the next three to five years with insert reason, uh, who's at the helm, yeah. current market conditions, et cetera. But I know one thing, and that is when I leave my money in cash at an inflation rate of 8%, every year I leave my money in cash, it's going down by 8%. So I might not be losing money to the market, but I'm still losing purchasing power. So here's a couple of ideas or strategies that may apply to you. And we'll take them in kind of order of... Uh, liquidity. Okay. So option number one, think of it as a one-year CD. So you have to lock up the money for one year. 
I'm going to give a couple disclosures, and that is rates are always changing, so please contact our office and make sure that the rates are right, but the concept remains the same. You, put your, you give your money to an insurance company for one year. After one year, the insurance company will insulate you from loss down to 20% off of the S&P 500. So S&P 500 goes down 20%, you get a zero for that year. S&P 500 goes up 20% in that same year. You're capped currently at 13. So you have the opportunity, obviously, to do much better than inflation at 8. You could get up to 13, but it does buffer you against the downside. So if you're in that position where you're thinking, you know, I know I can't get out of the market, but I think it's going to go down just as much as I think it might go up. I don't know. I would just really like to put training wheels on this bike or maybe put the the tubes down the lanes at the bowling alley Mm -hmm. and and maybe Mm -hmm. I'll bowl a better game. This gives you an option to still play, but protect yourself against the downside. And you're not making a long-term commitment, which is typically the rebuttal to anything that has to do with insurance, is I'm not locking my money down with an insurance company for the next 10 or 15 years. You don't have to. If you've never heard of this before, it's because this concept is starting to move in tandem with the change in our industry to a fiduciary model. Fiduciary model means remove the commissions. So have you ever wondered what an, what an insurance or an annuity product could look like if you rip the commissions out of it? Well, it goes from a 10-year a down to a one-year, mm. and the caps go from seven up to 13, right? So pretty interesting concept um, in being fiduciaries. It's very appealing to us. So what we're seeing a lot of times is it may be the only thing that gives people the comfort level involved to either get off the sidelines and or stay in the market, which is your only chance of success in a hyperinflation environment without having the fear of losing catastrophically. So what would the investments be like uh, in that you always, when you're investing, wondering about volatility and, you know, is it a tech-oriented product or is it a this or a that? Is it an index kind of a fund or where would an insurance company, you're giving your money to an insurance company, uh, you know, you're hoping they perform well. So what kind of investments are attractive to them? So this this particular product that I mentioned, and it is a product, you know, typically we talk about encompassing solutions, but I'm talking specifically about a product. It is leveraged completely against the S&P. So the S&P goes up by 10%, you get 10%. S&P goes up, remember you're capped mm-hmm. at 13. 13. So if the S&P goes up by 20, you get 13. Um, so there is kind of this fear and greed thing going on there. But if the S&P goes down by 15, you just got a zero for that year. So you know that you're going to land somewhere between 0 and 13, or if the market goes down more than 20, that's on you. So if it goes down 25 from here, and I remember it's already down 20 plus, so the market would have to, over the last next 18 months, it'd have to go down over 40%. That would really be bad. And you'd be certainly happy that you'd be in this, this particular solution because it insulated you against that first 20 on the drop. So if it goes down to 25, you're down 5. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an opportunity not to insulate you against 100% of the loss, but maybe give you that little nudge to make you feel confident enough in taking a shot at uh, the market going up. It feels to me like the only downside to that would be if all the projections are wrong and the market goes up more than I think anyone projects it to go up, you'd be missing out on gains in excess of 13%. Am I missing something? Correct. That's it. Uh, but remember... What is this solution for? The solution is for that client that wouldn't have done it without it. The solution is for the client who's sitting on the sidelines with cash going, I know my purchasing power is eroding, but I am terrified to go play. So there is a cost to having that level of buffering 
is what it's called. That that twenty percent stop loss buffer. Um, you, you know, you got to pay something for that, and in and in this instance, you're not paying a fee for it, but you are paying in the way of limiting your cap. And again, it's only a one year minimum where it's tied up, and I would assume that you know rates change and. All these things move around, and so after a year, you'd have an opportunity to evaluate it, and if there was something else that looked advantageous to you, you could jump into that. That's what they specialize in at Aptus Wealth Management. They're watching these things all the time so that you don't have to. You're certainly welcome to, but they're uh, a a sane, a uh, calm voice uh, amid these murky waters of financial volatility right now because everyone can analyze, and we can certainly draw from history, but... We are in times that are certainly different than we've had over the last 40 years. So get with Josh and his team for your free consultation so that you understand their approach to investing and arm yourself with the information that you need to perhaps have peace of mind that you don't have now if you're going it alone or if you're not happy with the results that you're getting elsewhere. 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com. Aptus Wealth is located in Lewis Center just off Route 750, just a few miles north of the 23270 interchange. And don't forget that YouTube uh, resource as well. Search for Josh Pick on YouTube and find some of these concepts broken into small pieces so you can watch them again, slow them down, stop them, and process them as you go. Okay, so that was one option, one silver lining, one thing out there. Uh, what else is there? What else have we talked about that maybe you've uh, heard from people? Hey, I'd like a little bit more information on that. Yeah, so let's talk about the advantages and disadvantages of what I said because yeah. uh, on this this last one. The advantages to that is it's only a year. The advantages to it is you have a lot, a really high upside, 13%. I think most people right now, if you said you have a shot at 13, they'd be very happy with that. No doubt. The downsides to it, again, any losses beyond 20, those are on you. The downside to it is if the market only does one, you only get one. Um, but the advantages are in one year's time, if fixed rates are through the roof and maybe you can go buy a bond or a CD that's paying 6 or 7%, maybe you're happy with that. It offers you the opportunity to move. Shockingly, the best case scenario for that particular investment would be the market goes down 19%, you get a big zero, and then you go back into the market 100% with unlimited cap, right? Yeah. But there's another option. And this option, I think, is very appealing to people who are looking at their portfolio and saying, I know that I have to have safe money and I have to have growth money. I have my stocks and I have my bonds, but bonds aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is protect me against loss. On top of that, I've read everything that says as interest rates go up, that's bad for bonds. And interest rates have already been raised five times this year, and it doesn't look like the Fed's pushing the pause button. So another option would be a little bit longer of a tie-up. These are either five, seven, or 10-year contracts. You get to pick. Depends on which rates you like. I'll pick the seven because it's dead smack in the middle. It's something called a trigger. And I mentioned this on the show last week, and this is the question I got the most of, is what the heck is a trigger? Mm -hmm. So the trigger concept is you give your money to the insurance company, let's just say 100000 bucks, and you say, I'm going to play by a set of rules for the next seven years. And these are the rules. I won't take out more than 10% of what I put in per year every year. I can get that, no problem. But beyond that, I'm going to leave the money alone for seven years. Now, that, that tends to give people a little bit of trepidation. Like, ah, I don't like locking my money up. I assure you, if you pull out more than 10% of what you have every single year, you're going to go broke very quickly. So you probably mm-hmm. don't want to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Maybe the insurance company is doing you a favor. But nevertheless, I understand the liquidity issue. But the way that it works is you are completely insulated against downside. So market does negative 50 this year. 
you get a zero. So let's assume that you decided you wanted to play this game today. And you go in and it's uh, September 23rd, right? So you have a September 23rd contract. You look at your uh, at the S&P 500 on September 23rd of 2023. You say, what did it do? Well, it went down 57%, God forbid. Mm-hmm. Okay, you get a zero. We move on to next year and we play this game again. If the market goes up at all by any amount, I don't care what it is, it was either flat, you got a, the S&P was, I don't know of a time where it actually did exactly zero, but let's say it did exactly zero or it did 0.1% or it did 175%. It doesn't matter. If it was flat or up at all, that is the trigger. And the trigger determines that now you get paid a fixed interest rate. And that fixed interest rate currently is over 7%. So uh, if you had over $100,000 as of today, September 23rd, the rate is 7.8. So mm-hmm. if you put 100000 bucks in and you look at your statement over the next seven years, you are either going to get a zero or a 7.8. Those are the only two options. Wow. Now, why is that appealing? Uh, because even if I have in seven years, or let's use 10 years, it's easier math. Let's say I have two zeros, which is probably realistic in any market environment. I get two zeros and the rest I get, let's just round up and say they're eight because it's easier math. I got eight times eight, 64, zero divided by 10. You know, I know there's we're ignoring compounding. I get that, but that's a pretty darn good fixed rate of interest. Yeah. And the market does not have to do six or seven for you to get that number. When I explain that, usually the first question is, how in the world does the insurance company afford to do that? That's my question, yeah. I won't dive too deep in the weeds because I don't want to bore everybody and make you wreck your car because you're so bored. (laughs) But ultimately what they're doing is they're putting a certain percentage of what you give them in their general account, which is based on investment-grade bonds, treasuries, fixed stuff, safe stuff that they've acquired over decades and maybe centuries in some instances. And then- they put a mo- an amount of money in there to make sure that they can guarantee your your money at the end of that seven or ten year five year period, whatever it is. The remaining dollar amount, of course, they're greedy. They're an insurance company, so they're going to keep some for themselves. And then that gives them a, a purchasing budget to go out and buy options from an investment bank that satisfies everything else that we're talking about. So one of the questions I get is, well, what if the market goes down fifty seven percent? Doesn't that put the insurance company in a very difficult position? Now I'm worried about whether or not they can give me my guarantee or give me my money back. Sure. It's absolutely irrelevant to them. They just don't exercise the option. They already have your money guaranteed in a different way. So this is really a set it, forget it plan for them. The next logical question would be, well, why don't we do this ourselves and leave the insurance company, that greedy insurance company out of it? If you think about insurance companies, uh, you know, they're doing billions of dollars Mm -hmm. of this. The economies of scale they have. We could do it with less return for you. So you might as well, in this instance, you're going to have to Go play with the big boys and let the insurance company make a little bit of money off you. So it sounds to me like, and again, you can get a hold of Josh and his team to explore these possibilities, 614-917-1040, Aptus Wealth on the web at aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. It seems to me like the longer you're willing to lock your money up, the higher rate of return you're going to get. And if you want to get your money back out in five years, you talked about the seven-year rate, but I would assume the five-year return would be lower, the 10-year, would it be higher? Actually, ironically, typically, you're absolutely right. And the five-year return is lower. The seven-year return is kind of the sweet spot. The 10-year return, insurance companies are not foolish either, and they're very concerned about a rising interest rate environment. So the 10-year rates are actually less than the seven. So there would be no instance, there would be no reason why you would want to go more than seven unless you believed that the environment was going to get so bad that I'd like to lock in at whatever rate they can give me for 10 years because I think it's going to get worse from here. 
but we're not going out past seven years in our office. Wow, it's really interesting. Uh, so we've talked about silver linings, and we are going to talk more about silver linings, about triggers. Again, there's a way for you to pursue these concepts in small doses, and that is to check out Josh and his YouTube channel. And go to YouTube.com, search Josh Pick. You'll find him there. These kinds of things that we've talked about, we've talked about taxes a lot on the show. We've talked a lot about different sorts of investments. We've talked about, uh, what was it, standardized rate of return or something like that? I, I'm trying oh, to sequence of returns. Sequence yeah. of returns, a lot of other things like that. And uh, these are things that, you know, they educate me. I find all this stuff very, very interesting because I'm not at retirement quite yet, but it won't be long, hopefully not long for me. And I think everybody who works and who has, uh, you know, thought about the fact that that date is coming out there sometime when I won't have to answer the alarm clock, I won't have to get up and go, well, there's some steps you have to go through in order to be in a good position when that happens. And that's what they specialize in at Aptus Wealth Management, 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com. They're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. The consultation is free, and it's actually very, very informative and very fun. My wife and I really enjoyed ours, and I think you'll enjoy yours as well. So get with Josh and his team, Aptus Wealth Management, 614-917-1040, on the web at aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. We appreciate you joining us here on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management, and we are going to be talking about retirement, and that they specialize in at Aptus, is preparing you for retirement. You definitely need to prepare, and we are in a time that is much different in terms of preparing for retirement than we have faced for the last several decades, because inflation is running higher than it has in 40 years, and that certainly eats into savings and into investments So we're here to help you bulletproof your portfolios, and Josh and his team are available to you and to your spouse to have a free consultation, 614-917-1040. You can reach them on the web at aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com, and make sure that you are bookmarking their YouTube channel. Search Josh Pick on YouTube, and you'll find a lot of the concepts that we talk about broken down into increments that you can pause, you can reflect on, and you can gain a greater understanding of. And so, Josh, I'm wondering, as we enter this inflationary period with Fed rate hikes and mortgage rates going up and car loan rates going up and groceries being more expensive, I view this through my own lens, which is, okay, I'm not of retirement age yet, but it's not going to be too much longer before I am. Uh, does this work to anyone's advantage? Is there such a thing as anybody retiring early in this era because they're in a position where for whatever reason, whatever market conditions are prevailing, uh, it's just not uh, conducive to them remaining in the workforce and not retiring. Yeah, I think you know retirement has changed over the last couple of decades, and we actually use the term financial independence in our office now, which seems like a subtle, nuanced difference. You know, the new corporate word, but I but see it, a difference in those two things. I do. Yeah, retirement and financial independence. I think those are two different concepts. Yeah, I think the, the the concept of working, you know, in a factory for your entire life, although that's still out there, it's not as prevalent maybe as it was back in the 70s and 80s. And the idea of reaching 65, collecting your Medicare and drifting off into the sunset with your pension, just it just it's not the way the world is today. So mm-hmm. people want to get in a position of financial independence, meaning they may work in their existing job or some different job that doesn't pay as much or maybe provides them, you know, more uh, mental satisfaction than where they are today. Uh, but they have the ability, uh, and, and I, I always tell clients, you know, before you retire, 
get to the position where you can and see if all the things at work are still bothering you as much when you know you don't have to be yeah, there. Yeah, great point. That, that sense of being trapped has has an impact. But uh, during COVID uh, or, or post-COVID, I would say, we've had a lot of clients retire sooner than they expected. And believe it or not, that's not COVID was kind of something we could talk about, but the concept of being forced into retirement or choosing to go into retirement earlier than expected is not new. Believe it or not, many, uh, a very significant percentage, I, I always hesitate on coming up with percentages, but I've seen as high as 40% of people will be forced to retire prior to when they thought for a myriad of reasons, whether it's taking care of a spouse or a loved one because of health concerns, because of their own health, mm-hmm. because of job displacement, or maybe their position got moved to a different location. They don't want to move. There's a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons during COVID was, uh, you know, I'm working from home. I like working from home. Uh, I heard things ranging from if they make me go back to an office, I'm quitting and I'm retiring because I can. Or if they make me take the vaccine, I'm mm-hmm. going to quit because I don't want to take it or whatever the reason. But that does bring up challenges. Uh, so the benefit is you have the financial wherewithal to do it. But most people now have the lion's share of their money in qualified plans. Think qualified plans, the 401k, the 403b, the IRA, all the alphabet soup. Mm-hmm. And those do have some restrictions. Until you're 59 and a half, there's a 10% penalty. It's called an excise penalty. Then on top of that, I got to pay taxes on it. So I'll give you an example. I had a client come in the other day and she said, you know, I've always wanted to travel. Who knows how strong my health will be? I'm 58 years old and I'm going to take a, she was actually uh, going to, uh, going over to the, over to, I think she's going to Jerusalem and a bunch of other places okay. on kind of like a, a mission. So she says, you know, I'd like to do this and I'm going to take, I need 3000 net out of my 401k. Okay. Well, you're 58. You get a 10% penalty. Then you have federal taxes, you have state taxes, you start adding up, no problem, you got to take $5,600 out to get to three grand. And <laughs> she goes, well, that doesn't sound like a good deal, yeah. right? Well, there's a couple options that you have to avoid that. Some you'll like, some you won't. Uh, there are some hardship withdrawals and things that apply to you uh, if you're you know, kind of in dire need of the money, but let's assume that you, you're not in dire need of it, you just want it. There's something called 72T, and 72T applies to IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, and the rule says this. If you take equal and periodic payments out over five years or until you're 59 and a half, whichever's longer, then you avoid the 10% penalty. How do they come up with what those equal and periodic payments are? It's based upon life expectancy tables. It's just like minimum required distributions when you hit 72. And there's multiple tables. So you can kind of pick and choose which table works best for you because one's going to be, I got a million bucks, I want to pull out 40, and the other one, maybe it's 52 or whatever it is. That is restrictive in that you have to stick with it for five years, period. Mm -hmm. But it does avoid the 10% penalty. If you have an annuity contract, one of the inherent benefits of an annuity contract, even if it's not an IRA, is that you get tax deferral just like if it was an IRA. That's one of the benefits to an annuity contract. One of the detriments to an annuity contract is the reason that they were able to secure that in the tax code is you have to wait until you're 59 and a half to get that money out. So... They have the similar provision. It's just called 72Q. And by the way, all of these, 401K, 403B, 72T, 72Q, all that is is the line in the tax code. So they didn't come up with any sort of creative right. naming. They're not trying to win any, uh, they're not trying to get any uh, any awards for you know their commercials. But sure. uh, 72Q is the exact same thing. It just applies to non-qualified annuity. So I, I guess the takeaway here is if you're in a position where you need to get money and you are not 59 and a half, Make sure you call our office before you just take a withdrawal and pay a penalty 
there are a myriad of ways where we can avoid that penalty, and 10% on a $50,000 withdrawal is a big number. That's the reason why you have a professional, and Josh and his team are certainly equipped to help you with that. They'll offer you a free consultation to help you understand these matters. 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So I'm thinking, Josh, that, you know, inflation never comes at a good time. There are people who are two, three years away from retirement, and they're probably, like, freaking out because, yikes, here's a condition I didn't plan on. I thought I could be able to ride, like, a great market all the way into retirement. Everything would be fine. We've outlined here on the show some silver linings, quote-unquote, some ways that you can protect your money, get a guaranteed rate of return. It might tie your money up for a while. So my question is, like, is there anybody who's quote-unquote schedule of retiring is ideal for the market conditions that we're in right now or for somebody who's close to retirement is there a magic formula a way to determine how many of these guaranteed rates of return do you take how much risk do you remain exposed to um, how much of a different product do you kind of mix into your retirement bowl yeah there's there's no particular secret sauce that applies to everyone however there are some rules of thumb. And, you know, I think while times change and products change and what is in favor changes, the concepts still remain the same. So I think what's happened in our economy is we've, we've fallen into this trap that it's a one-size-fits-all for everybody that falls into a certain age category and we just rinse and repeat over and over again. That ignores trends. It ignores reality of what's going on. So... <clears throat> I would say if you're within, you know, 10 years of retirement, mm -hmm. you should really start paying attention to what you're doing. Um, if you're within five years, well, then it just amped up. If you're going to retire next year, you better get on the ball here yeah. real fast. Um, but, you know, what is the right mix? It's how much risk do you want to take for the amount of reward that you receive? <clears throat> and God forbid you're basing your retirement on what's going on with inflation or what's going on with interest rates. You don't, you shouldn't care about any of that stuff. I mean, you should mm -hmm. care about it, but that shouldn't be the deciding factor as to whether or not you're going to retire at the right time. But let's kind of walk through. We, we threw out a couple of ideas um, in the way of that longer tie-up with 100% guarantee, and then there was one that only had a 20% buffer, we mm -hmm. called it. And then let's just say that you, you went to Vanguard and you got the S&P 500. Now, obviously, I'm not a proponent of doing that. I think that you can have better money management than that, and I can show that in a million different ways. But let's say that you did that, and let's just say that you had a million bucks, and you went a third, a third, a third across of all of those. When if you just put all your money in the S&P 500 and the market went down 20%, you'd lose 20%. If mm -hmm. the market went up 20%, you'd gain 20%. So that's 100 on the up, 100 on the down. Let's say that uh, a third of your money's in that. So that, in fact, let's say the market goes down 20%, you lost 20 on that. And then on the 20% buffer, what did you lose? Nothing. And then on the other one that's 100% guaranteed, what did you lose? Nothing. So in a market environment where the market went down 20%, you went down 20 on a third of your money, which is less than 7%. So your downside capture was only one third, mm -hmm. right? If the market went up, third of your money went up 20%. If it went up 20%, a third of it went up 13 because you're capped at 13. And then a third of it went up seven point whatever. Let's just say seven, really lean, lean the other direction. Because you're capped there as well, right? You're capped there as well. So you went up in that environment, the market went up 20, and you went up in total 
all of them added together is 40 divided by 3. You went up about 13, 13.3. So if you like the idea of if the market goes up 20 and I get 13, but if it goes down 20, I'm only down 7. If that sounds more appealing to you, that's a pretty good strategy. Now, what's interesting about that is the lower the returns, which most of the people that I'm talking to today are more concerned over the next 12 months, that returns are barely even going to, they might go down, or if they go up, not by much. We think that we're still in this a little bit. I hear that a lot. I think we still, we got a lot of stuff to work through as a country, and I don't see the market rebounding anytime soon. I hear that a lot. I don't know if that's true or false, but if that's your concern, if the market goes up at all, remember that trigger goes up by 7 or 8% regardless of whether the market goes up. So the numbers get even better as the returns get lower. Uh, The only reason that you wouldn't want to do a strategy like that is if you said the losses don't bother me and I'm only worried about gains over 13, I want to be greedy. Now, that is definitely an answer that I would have for most people if they were 25, 35, 45. If you're 65, Uh, I would be shocked if your opinion on that doesn't change a little bit. So I'm not suggesting that everybody run out and do a third or third or third, but just for the the illustrative purposes of easy math on the radio, um, I think it illustrates the point. And the point is you can drastically reduce your risk while still having more upside capture than you do on the down. And that's always the objective of investing. When the market goes down, I want to get as little of that as possible. When it goes up, I want to get as much of it as possible. Josh picked the Aptus Wealth team. I mean, that's a very, very, very uh, well-executed plan to give you exposure in some facets, but protection in other facets. And so how do you get with Josh and his team for your free consultation to understand these concepts and see if they apply to you? Give them a call, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040, or you can set it up on the web at aptuswealth.com. Make use of the Josh Pick YouTube channel. Check it out. He'll illustrate this concept for you and other concepts for you so that you understand it and see what fits you. All right, so I'm wondering if uh, a factor in people's risk tolerance is what they believe is going to happen in terms of the upcoming midterm election, a little bit farther out, the uh, 2024 presidential election. I know that we have this idea in our minds that political parties have dramatically different approaches to how they do what they do. But the fact of the matter is our national debt has been going up no matter who's been in office for years and years and years and years and years. And so perhaps there isn't that much of a difference. And perhaps planning your investment strategy based upon election results is not exactly the most the smartest strategy you can have. Yeah, interestingly, uh, when the election was going on back, um, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, I was asked on a radio program, you know, what's best for the country? Would it be best if a Democrat was elected, best if a Republican was elected? What, what would be best? And if you look historically speaking, the best case scenario for the country financially, at least throughout history, mm-hmm. has been a Republican president with a Democratic Senate. Second is a Democratic president with a Republican Senate, followed by Republican, Republican, Democrat, Democrat. What does that really tell us? What it tells us is the least amount that Washington can get done because they're gridlocked, the better. So what it tells me is whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, philosophically you might have differing beliefs, but the less that Washington can accomplish, the better for the overall finance, of the, you know, virility of the economy. But I am hearing, to give credence to what you said, I am hearing very often that People are very concerned 
about what's happening in Washington, about the spending spree that we've been on, about the general direction of handouts and and kind of becoming this socialistic or at least leaning more towards a socialistic type society. And that has concerned several people to the point where, you know, they want to pull all their money out of the market. And to those people who are listening, I will tell you that this is nothing new. If uh, there's a great piece uh, and call my office, I'll get it to you if you want. Um, and, And I'm not a proponent of American funds or saying that you should have all your money in American funds. But one thing that American funds has is they've had this brochure out since 1934, I believe. Because they've had a mutual fund out since 1934. Now, ignore the mutual fund. What it shows is on a like a quadruple page foldout. It shows from 1934 until today, and every negative thing that was happening during every year during that time period. Think Cuban Missile Crisis, mm-hmm. Gulf of Tonkin, like the whole list just goes on and on. For the remainder of your life, there is going to be something awful to talk about in Washington every single year for the rest of your life. That should not solely guide your investment decisions. It should not be ignored, but it should not solely guide your investment decisions. And what happens in Washington does not guarantee one direction or another what happens with companies that are trying to operate in the United States. It can create these, the water in which they're swimming, mm-hmm. meaning you're either swimming upstream or downstream. And I would say the big concern of people is that we're swimming upstream, not downstream. So I share that concern that we are swimming upstream rather than downstream. And here's what makes me nervous. The unknown makes me nervous. And I look at the mounting national debt, and I don't really understand it, but I know that it can't be good that it is a number that uh, I think applied to every single citizen is $100,000, babies and everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I just feel like, Josh, there has to be at some point in time a day of reckoning for that. I've never in my lifetime not known a day when the United States was not the dominant world power. And it worries me as I see China that they might become the dominant world power that I just worry about what happens if our entire financial system is broken by the debt that we've piled up, the entitlements that we've incurred. And I'm not trying to make a political statement about whether or not people should get Social Security, get welfare, get free child care. The fact of the matter is our government is obligated to make a lot of payments to a lot of people. And I just maybe I'm shaped by my father being a child of the Depression and talking a lot about the Depression and all that's lingering around in my head somewhere. And I got to believe that I'm not the only person that you encounter in your conversations with clients that are fearful of the same unknown that I am. You're certainly not alone. I think the the big issue here is we tend to directly link what is happening in Washington to the direct impact that it has on Exxon, Amazon, Coca-Cola, uh, nationwide insurance. Mm-hmm. And while it can have an impact, it cannot cripple all of those companies overnight. And it is amazing what we've been able to accomplish. I mean, let's really look at the United States over the last 200 years. I mean, we went from uh, you know, no healthcare system, yeah. you know, running down our own food, growing in farms to now we have encyclopedias of the whole world on our, in our hand. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we've come a long way. <clears throat> I think, you know, the concern that people have is, is what about the value of the dollar? Correct. I think that's really what we're boiling down to is we have all this debt. Is that going to cripple the value of the dollar? If you believe that and you believe that your safest play 
is to keep all your money in dollars in the bank, then it's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? Wouldn't the safer play be to have your dollars in companies that are generating revenue and paying you for holding your dollars? Yeah, I'd like to own something that has some tangible value. Right. So, you know, someone asked me, uh, we have an intern right now, and he asked me, you know, what is your opinion of investing? And I said, well, there's two types of investing. There's investing towards generating future cash flow, and there's investing towards speculation. So let's think of the difference in easy terms. A speculator will buy a piece of dirt with the hopes that urban sprawl will crawl to that. It will sell for more than he paid for it. But what is the downside? Well, the downside is you got to pay taxes on it. You're not making any money on it unless it's you know farmland and you're growing crops. But compare and contrast that to a rental property that cash flows from day one. So that rental property might not go up in value as much as you were hoping, but you're being rewarded for holding that rental property by receiving rent payments. Well, similarly, I put my money in the bank because I'm terrified about what's going to happen with the quote-unquote stock market, which is not a living, breathing creature, by the way. It's just an amalgam of a bunch of individual companies. So I'm going to put my money in the bank so I'm safe. Well, then you should be very concerned as to what's going on in Washington because they can taxation without representation Mm -hmm. is called inflation, and they get to control it. So I would be very concerned about my money in the bank. If I have a bunch of shares in Coca-Cola and Home Depot and Johnson & Johnson, I'm more concerned about who's the CEO of Coca-Cola, Johnson & Johnson, and Home Depot, and what is their opinion on how they're going to grow. They're they're operating in a global economy. Uh, But, you know, to to step back, the history books have been written on this many times, if you're looking at the value of the dollar. Japan probably being one of the most recent, you know, superpowers. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago we talked about, you know, the biggest – companies in the world uh, by market cap. And if you rewind the clock back to the 80s, I think it was four or five or the six. Four of the top six were Japanese. Were Japanese. And now none of them are. Right. And what changed? Well, they overspent as a country. They depreciated their value of currency. They went into a negative interest rate environment. And for a period of about 20 years, the country kind of just stagnated out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what does that point to? Well, one of the reasons why, well, now the trigger looks a heck of a lot more appealing, doesn't sure. it? Because yes. I would rather earn seven if it does anything. So the, the the answer to your question is, I don't have the slightest idea what's going to happen with Washington, and I don't know what impact that's going to have on the economy. Uh, I know that whoever's in Washington, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of confidence in uh, because all of them have raised the debt. But I am very concerned about holding cash in any significant position other than if you believe that you can time the market, because mm. I hear that a lot. Hmm. I'm going to hold on to it because when it goes down, I'm going to buy in. Well, it went down a lot during COVID. It went down 35.5% in a very short period of time. How many people do you know that dumped a ton of money into the market when it was doing that? And how many people do you know that said, oh, my God, this is the big one? And they froze even more. So if you believe that you're going to time the market, the best time is probably going to be incredibly terrifying, and I question whether or not you actually do it. I think your best option is to come up with a consistent, logically-based strategy that gets you into the market over time with a level of comfort and security and guarantees that allow you to stay there. There's only one thing worse than not investing in companies at all, and that's investing in them at the worst time and selling out at an even worse time. So you have to be committed, and the way that you can get committed is based upon your ability to handle these gyrations. And for some of you, if you're honest with yourselves, you might want to add some guarantees to it to get you through the hard times. We don't want to admit it. We want to say that we we keep the blinders on, we just stay the course. But as somebody who manages hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of accounts, you're not all telling the truth. Yeah. 
Uh, so just be honest with yourself. Develop a plan and stick to it. That's what they're great about at Aptus is just talking you through the process so that you understand uh, what you have the stomach for. So in about the minute we have left, how predictive is uh, the past to the future? Because I know you have a lot of data that you're looking at current, but you're also looking at a lot of data from the past. And how much are your decisions going forward weighted by things that have happened over the past? Yeah, some of them are very predictable. Uh, For example, there's never been a time in history where the yield curve, what yield curve means is uh, long-term interest rates versus short. There's never been a time in history where short-term interest rates were higher than long-term interest rates where the market didn't tank. Okay. Um, and here we are. That yeah. happened. So that's very predictable. Others, you have to try and correlate. They're not, they're not directly related, but they, they're related. You know, if, if certain things happen, it's usually not a good thing for the economy. Certain things are better and worse. But that's more of a, a sweet science coupled with, uh, y- you know, there's some, there's some facts and then there's some kind of interpretation. But it, it's more predictable than you think. Well, the one thing I know from being at Josh's office is that uh, there's no shortage of data, there's no shortage of perspective, no shortage of analysis going on. And that's why he's so great and his firm is so great at what they do. Aptus Wealth Management, 614-917-1040. Set up your free consultation that way or on the web at aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And make use of the Josh Pick YouTube channel. We break down in smaller increments a lot of these concepts that we talk about here on the show. Tell your friends about the show It is on live, well, not live, but it's on Friday night at 7 p.m. and also Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. And we uh, also want you to set your clock by joining us on the Money Monday segment on 98.9 and 94.5 The Answer, 12.30 p.m. Monday. Thanks so much for your time today. Everybody have a great weekend. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.